Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50. Today, Dallas and Michael here with another listener question. Michael, your topic, your question that you've received. Thanks, Dallas. I received an email from Glenn just this week, and the email says, Gents, I'm a regular listener and have given you the five-star rating. He's got me already, Glenn. I'm thanks, doing Glenn. the thumbs up right now, Glenn. Thank you. Thanks very much, mate. Yeah, if if um, anyone else is listening and, and hasn't done so, please uh, feel free to go in and give us five. As, as you say, Michael, give us a rating. Five stars will do. Five stars will do. Fill those empty stars up. Um, thanks for the latest podcast, which was number 197, Investing Money Outside of Super. Um, interesting. So, Glenn goes on to say, a big gap for me, however, was uh, you're assuming everyone is working until they are at least 60, which we did. Um, what about those people who want to retire before they are 60? So, um, where investments outside of super are essential uh, or they're aware there is an age gap between the partners and one retires at 60, uh, but the other's super can't be accessed for a few years. Investments outside of super may be required for supplementation. Uh, can you provide some thoughts on this? Cheers, Glenn. Thanks for your question, Glenn. So um, it's a good one. So we it was remiss of us to, to actually not cover also, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which we should have done, yeah. given that it w- we were talking about investments, outside and we did of, touch yeah. on, yeah. you know, you the reasons why you would hold investments yes. outside of superannuation. One of the reasons was if you needed to access it before age sixty, yeah. but we just didn't dive into that deep enough. So, yep. uh, I actually have a case study that I've just looked at with uh, yeah. some existing clients of mine, yep. and um, we've actually really, really pulled the, the numbers apart. So. So they plan to retire before sixty, and um, and uh, we we can have a look at those those figures. So yep. the, the 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 bigger picture, I guess, of this just to go back to the thing we touched on in the last podcast, but just to reiterate on that, the reason why we we drive towards superannuation so much in our conversations is that it is such a tax effective environment once you are age sixty and retired, and so. Again, just to, I guess at a high level here, if you're looking at retiring before age 60, you, you, you may well need to invest money outside of super, but you really only want the money invested outside super that you are going to need access to before you're 60. And this is, I'm sure, what you'll look at and what you have looked at with these clients is that your, your focus is probably still primarily on growing your superannuation. You know, if you're retiring at 55 and, you know, if you're retiring at 55, you're probably... Uh, above average in terms of, um, again, this is just all the statistics show you're above average in terms of life expectancy. So if you're retiring at 55, one member of a couple is probably going to live to 95. So we're looking mm. at a 40-year retirement here. Uh, from 55 to, to 60 is only five years of that retirement. So um, you, you do need to fund that five years of your retirement, but the, the, the bulk of that, the 35 years out of your 40 years of retirement is still your superannuation. And that's kind it of is, what yeah. it's just, what it's one, It's one thing to be aware of. And, and for the, uh, for this couple that are clients of mine, we've yeah. actually, we we just had a meeting yeah. in, in August 
and we we, we really pulled it apart because it's coming up for them. Mm. So um, they uh, plan to retire uh, in January 2026. So the end of the end of 2025 is yep. when they plan to retire. Uh, I won't mention names. Uh, they'll be listening, so they'll know who they are. But uh, <laughs> Because we're going to look at their situation in detail. Yep. Um, but at that age, the male uh, will be fifty-five and the female will be fifty. So, yep. so um, quite young in terms of retirement. Uh, people, people now, in their fifties love to hear that they're quite young. Right? Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the first, the first thing that stands out for me uh, with these guys, and I have some other clients like this. So anyone who can get themselves to be able to retire at 55 and genuinely retire with enough capital uh, or 50, they're, they're usually very good at what they do. Yeah. It's it's unlikely that they're going to work the last day of their life at that stage. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to set up to um, – the discussion with them was, look, it's, it's highly unlikely mm. – at that point in time, you're going to work the last day that you're ever going to work. Yep. Um, what they really want to do, though, yep. is take a step back from the, the current hustle yep. and bustle yep. of their lifestyle. Yep. So, so basically, yeah, to, 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 to resign from their full-time jobs, yep. to pause, to have a look at what they might be interested in yep. doing. And like I said, it's, it's very, very unlikely and, that and they're going to... I mean, I, I remember this from when we had, from when we had clients who were um, of all ages and stages... We often had thirty-year-olds coming to us and saying, mm. "I want to retire at 50. Mm. and then and then you'd have the meetings with the fifty-year-olds who who were in a really good position, and they'd be going, "No, fifty. I don't want to. I don't want to retire now." It, it's yeah. a really interesting one to see. Uh, I guess again, to as at a high-level thing is a lot of people who are working towards that retiring at fifty-five. As you get closer, that's and this I think what you put it, that goalpost tends to change. It, mm. it was like a line in the sand of I'm going to work to 55 and then I'm going to stop. Mm. I think that's what happens is when you when you're 30, you think of 55 as as relatively old, and then you get mm. to that point, and you go, I'm actually still feeling really good. I'm sort of yeah. at the top of my game in my career. I've got all this experience. I've got all this knowledge. I've still got the energy to go and do something. I don't necessarily want to completely stop. And you know, we've we've talked about this in a heap of other podcasts before that. Yeah, that, that's a part of that planning is to go. The, the way that I've talked about it before with clients is let's let's work on worst case scenario, which is you don't do another day of work, but in reality you probably are going to do something. So we do need to work on that in terms of your tax planning and the rest of it. Let's we kind of need to assume that you're not going to earn another dollar of income, but in reality you, you probably will do something throughout that first ten years of your retirement while you. While you're that bit younger, yeah, absolutely. Look, there's a there's a vacuum there, and the vacuum is that that you have time in your hands now. Yeah, and yeah. and people that people that put themselves in those financial positions, mm. they're good at what they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, 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 and it's spent, because they've they've, they've spent <laughs> they've spent thirty years, you know, trying to be the best in their in their field, and then yeah. so often, like you say. If you remove that, it's then but they're not the sort of people that then just go and sit on the couch and watch yeah. TV for the and, next and, and it's, it's not only, it's not they're the best in their field. That the skills are transferable yeah. because they're dedicated yeah. to get themselves in that position. Yeah. They've had to have been ahead of mm. you know, the average person yeah. by actually putting money aside and doing that from an early age and all those types of things. Yeah. Um, so they're hard workers and reliable and all, all those yeah. things which which make them highly employable. Yes. What 
what tends to happen mm. is they get asked to do a favour. Yeah. <laughs> Can you come over here and yeah. help me? Yeah, get this you know, thing set up or get this, this new thing project set up that and we've this got project going. set up at this company or whatever yeah. it is. So, yeah. um, I digress. Yeah. So, let's look at the nuts and bolts of it, though. So, as of May 2021, when we value all of our clients' assets, they had combined superannuation of $830,000. Yep. They also had a net investment position of $600,000. So, basically, it's $600,000 yep. of money in in investments. Yep. And, um, and uh, look, we won't go into the style of investments and all those types of things today because we, there's too much information, but, but, but liquid high-growth investments they have, diversified. Um, so, the total net worth, besides the value of the house, which we don't count, um, the total investment and super net worth uh, as of May 2021 was $1,430,000. Um, superannuation, again, of $830,000. Investments of $600,000. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the strategy, and again, I'm digressing a little bit, we're actually taking the dividends from the investment every year and running it into their superannuation. Yep. Um, in addition to that, they both salary sacrifice the maximum uh, concessional contributions every year, so they've 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 now got a combined fifty five thousand um, dollars of their employers' money and their money going into superannuation every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to that, um, yeah, they have they have about twenty four thousand dollars currently of dividends that that go into their super funds as well. So we're just yep. running money in as a non concessional contribution. Um, so basically. By December 25, their projected conservative position at that stage will be their superannuation will have grown from $830,000 to $1,397,000, so very close to 1.4. Yep. Um, their investment very conservatively would have grown from 600000 to $770,000. Now, doesn't really seem... Uh, like a comparable scenario again, just if you can just if you can just remember, they're running the inv- the dividends from the investment into their super fund. Yep. And with their super, they're, they're pulling the lever a little bit harder. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, what we wanted to have a look at is at December 2025, the position that they're in, roughly 1.4 million combined in superannuation, roughly 770 thousand yeah. dollars in investments. Uh, of course, these are projected figures as a future value. So, yeah, um, I've got two million one hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars of total assets, very close to two, uh, two million one, two million one hundred and seventy thousand dollars of assets. Um, so, the the aim, and this fits in well, I think, with Glenn's topic, yep. is that how how to, how to get to age sixty drawing a tax effective income before mm. getting access to their superannuation remembering at that stage uh, the male will be fifty five and the female will be fifty yeah so there is a there's a, there's an age gap there uh, he's got five years before yeah. he can access his and superannuation and she's got ten years before the, she can access so it I guess the 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 way that I think of this is the financial planning aspect is is basically cash flow matching where you go mm. from from in that five years from fifty five to sixty before before the male can get access to their super we've got five years worth of income needs that, that yep. have to be funded so um, we we know we can't get it from the superannuation so that's really the the I guess the, the first hurdle is, is it's no good, and this is exactly what Glenn sort of alluded to and, and what we've touched on before, is that 
it's no point having this $2.2 million in in superannuation and going, well, they've got enough in theory to meet their retirement savings <laughs> when practically they can't get access to that money. So yes. this, is, this is the trade-off is, well, that's great that we've got $2.2 million worth of retirement savings. That's enough to draw the income we need. But we actually do need to be able to get access to that money and, yeah. and we need to be able to do that in a tax-effective way. Absolutely. So, so we thought we'd stress test that because um, that's the plan of attack at this point in time yeah. and, and what we thought we would do is really, really pull these numbers apart and have a look at how much their investment could generate them mm-hmm. at that point in time and, uh, and what their superannuation would continue to grow by uh, while they were taking money down from the investment and have a look at the tax position of that as well. So, so um, the first thing I look at to stress test is, is I say, okay, if you're at that position, um, what if you never worked another day ever again? Mm. Which, which, as, which, as I said before, is highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that was the case, they'd have $2,167,000 of total assets. Um, superannuation uh, would, would, would have about two-thirds of the money in superannuation, about one-third of the money outside of superannuation if we want to break it up that way. Um, the, 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 um, just running the ruler over that and saying, okay, what if, what if you're able to get an average of an 8% rate of return? Of course, um, it's a what if. Uh, however, throughout history, if we look at the right type of assets to invest into, they're volatile. Uh, however, that average uh, has been achieved over over longer term periods of time. We've done podcasts on that. So, if they're able to get an eight percent rate of return, and we were able to take no more than five percent of yep. that eight percent rate of return, this is very very back of the envelope stuff. But yep. but but this is the way that we like to start. Um, I'm going to say they'd be able to draw roughly a hundred grand of income from that from that pot of money. If we say no more than five percent, it'd be a bit be a little bit more than that. Yeah, but, but let's just round down to two million dollars and say five yeah. percent yeah. on two million dollars is a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's a, again the, the high level thing. There is high level. If I've got two million, if I've got a bit over two million dollars, I can draw a hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, again, across the board of that. So that's sort of part one is how much how much income can I actually draw each year? And, yeah. and then as you say, part two is practically if, if I if I can draw a hundred thousand dollars a year across the board, how do I actually get that out of out of the, the right bucket of money at the right time? Yes, yeah, so that, that's right. Now and it assumes a couple of things, of course. It assumes that that you can get a, at least a five percent rate of return. In fact, we, we would we would want an eight percent rate of return on average. Yeah. Um, if we're going to take five percent yep. from there, yeah, because of the fact that that I mean, a simple rule of thumb: if you take five percent from eight percent, you're yep. reinvesting three yep. percent of that return every as year. Things get more expensive over time, and you can allow yeah. for that that increased cost. Your five yeah. percent stays at five percent. We actually did it. We did we a did, podcast. We did a very one, neatly cool. named take, taking five from eight or taking something five like. from take five, five from, from eight. eight yeah. I think yeah. it was cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so basically, what we looked at. Is that from the investment side of things first? They they told me, which which I knew um, from seeing what they live off, that they could live off less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So we we actually worked on, we worked on we worked on eighty thousand dollars in yep. the hand. Yep. Um, now at at the moment, they both earn an income. They pay tax on that income. Yep. Each. 
So it's more than eighty thousand dollars gross each yeah. that they that well that that that, that they earn, mm. um, but then they pay tax. Um, yep. They actually put they money into super. They put money into superannuation. The salary sacrifice a lot of money into superannuation. Yeah, they put another fifteen hundred a fortnight yep. into superannuation. So yep. nearly thirty nine thousand yep. um, dollars from after tax dollars, and they run the dividends into their super fund. So that's why their super is growing yep. at, a, at, a, at, a, at a hard at a fast rate. They put money aside for savings, yeah. and they have their normal living expenses and all of those types of things. So, so what we looked at is once once you're effectively retired and your your money's getting dressed and going to work for you, um, yeah. I mean, if you can, if if we can, and again, we we'll run the rule over this, and we'll look at their tax position in a minute. But if you, for example, can pay. No tax. Then yeah, that that's a big that difference. saves your costs yes, quite a yeah. bit. Um, that's minimizes a, your costs. That's a, a big point because, and we've touched on this before. I think again, <laughs> I feel like now that we're now that we're up to you know a couple of hundred podcasts, we spend half our podcasts referring to other ones that we've already done. But we talked about this with, mm. like you say, running a real over what people spend in retirement. The easiest and best way to do that in in rough terms is to go right. What are you earning now? What's your gross income now? What's coming out? What's going to the ATO? What's going out in, in income tax? What's going to super? What's going to loan repayments? What's going to these expenses that are going to stop? Once you strip all that out, like you say, for these guys, they both earn relatively good incomes. And so you strip out all those things, there's, there's, there's quite a bit um, there left over. What you really want to check is, okay, what's the net amount that we are actually spending in, in income needs every year and, and, yeah. and then and funding that? And that's, so that's kind of what you what It's, it's around about $80,000. Yeah. And... Um, uh, so that's what we've. That's the starting position that we've looked at. We've, yep. we've thought, okay, what if we could generate at yep. least eighty eighty thousand dollars from their investment? If we could take eighty thousand dollars a year from their investments, yep. Um, between, you know, fifty. Well, the male will be fifty five. Yep. So between between, uh, you know, two thousand and twenty six to two thousand and thirty, yep. basically for those five years, mm-hmm. um, uh, the the. the uh, when he'll then get access to his superannuation, mm. so the investment, the pool of investments have to last at least that long. Yep, over that period of time. Yeah. So um, here's the numbers. So seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars of investments. Yep. And and um, almost one point four million dollars in superannuation. So let's look at the investments first. Yeah. Um, seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars worth of investments. Uh, first of all. The, the the overall rate of return that we've assumed on that pool of money, um, because it is working hard for them, is a, a total rate of return of eight percent, uh, made up of dividends of four percent and capital growth of of four percent on average as well. So basically, from that seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars of investments, um, and these figures are all rounded down, it's to make it nice and round numbers. Uh, so they're not exactly right. the to the to the decimal point. Uh, a four percent dividend on seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars, somewhere around about thirty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So that provides them with their first thirty thousand dollars of income. They 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 no longer take the dividend and put it into superannuation. They take the dividend, spend, have it paid into their bank account, and they spend it. Um, we also then looked at a redemption from the investment. Yep, of, so, they, so they sell down a little so they bit sell of the down, investment so they every year. Sell down some of their investment of forty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Now, um, forty thousand dollars on 
a base of seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars is five point two percent. Yep. So they're, they're, so they're actually selling down, digging into their. Yep. If we said that the the, the yeah the total overall rate of return is going to be eight percent on average. Yep. And and it could be less than that. It could be yep. a lot less than that. Yep. Could be more than that, but if if it if it is eight percent on average, yep, um, they've taken four percent already in the dividend, and then they've sold forty thousand dollars worth of their, worth their, their investments, yep, which equates to five point two percent. I yep. add both of those together, yep. and that gives me nine point two percent that they've taken mm-hmm. from their investment yep. for that particular year, and the investments made them an assumed rate of return of, of, yep. of only 8%. So they've gone backwards by $10,000 Within roughly. the investment. And yeah, so, so this, is, this is the two buckets of money uh, approach where money. we think of it as it, it's one big pool of retirement savings. However, the superannuation sitting off to the side. It's, it, it can't be touched. It's not being touched. We want it to continue to grow. That, that's we're, right. We're chewing into the investment a bit in these five years, but that's completely okay because we know that we've, we've got the superannuation sitting off the side. The investment you're chewing into, uh, as long as as long as you've got enough money, as long as you've got enough money in the investment to get through to age sixty, mm. and as long as you've got enough money across the board to to fund the entire retirement, that's sort of the main things that we need to be aware it, of here. Is- it, it is, yeah. So, so their investments going back. If that was the sum, if that was the, all the money they had to retire, mm. this wouldn't be a workable strategy. No, because they've gone backwards in the first year. Yes. So, seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars investments. Mm. Um, dividends of thirty thousand dollars they've taken. They've redeemed forty thousand dollars worth of those investments as well. So they've sold forty thousand dollars. It's given them seventy thousand dollars of in- income in the interim, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they've actually taken a little bit more than the investments returned. So their investments fallen from seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars by ten thousand yeah. dollars down to seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars. So yeah. it's 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 not quite tread water yeah. over that period of time. Yep. Yeah. <coughs> Following that thought through, so they've got seventy thousand dollars of of money in their bank account now. Yep, and we need to look at the tax ramifications yep. of that. So the the um, uh, if we look at the the dividends, so they they have come with some franking credits. Yep. And Which, again, we've done a podcast about franking credits yeah. in great detail. If you want more detail, go back and, and search that one. But so this is where the franking credits are really franking credits are really in this really case. powerful here. So we're we're now jumping across and looking at that tax situation. So yeah. be- at the be- start, because the point. Sorry, just to elaborate there. <coughs> the point that you that you're making here is that they've got seven. They've got seventy thousand dollars that they've actually mm. taken out of the investment. You know, but it's not. It, it's like a wage that they've sort of been paid. We yeah. need to allow for the for the tax effect of that. It's it, not. It's not like that's money hits a bank account and that's all there is to it. You then need to flow through the tax effect of it, that. We do. So so let's have a look at that. So so basically they've they've received um, thirty thousand dollars of dividend, and we'll work out the capital gain. So the sale of forty thousand dollars worth of their investments is capital gains tax assessable. We'll work that out in a minute. Um, first of all, though, what they've received is thirty thousand dollars worth of of dividend, mm-hmm. which is taxable to them. Now, remembering that they've retired, this is the first full year where they don't have any other income. So, um, they're, they're in the they're in the they're, they get the use of the the um, tax free threshold, which yep. is eighteen thousand two hundred each. Yep. They can earn up to pay no tax on that. There's low income tax offsets that yep. kick in after that. Of, um, there's yeah. different brackets. So. First of all, taxable income dividend of $30,000, that's split two ways. Um, yep. This investment's owned in joint names. 
which is really, really powerful if you're a member of a couple. And unfortunately, single people get get um, yeah, a little bit sticky, a yeah. little bit discriminated against yep. because can, their yeah. costs aren't half yep. of what a couple's are. Um, in terms of a couple, they can split income across two mm. marginal rates of tax. So $30,000 of dividends split 15000 each um, of taxable income. They also have franking credits that add up to about $13,000. Yeah. Um, now... Uh, the, th- the franking credit is actually added to your taxable income before you get it back as a rebate later on. It's a very, very complicated calculation, <laughs> but yeah. let's just, to be fair, add that on yeah. as well. So $13,000 split two ways. Six and a half. Six and a half. So we're at, we're at $21,500 of taxable income each, yeah. recessable income each, um, which basically they pay no tax on. Yeah. Um, we now have to look at the capital gains. The capital gains. Yep. So from that redemption of $40,000, and these are the real figures, yeah. and they've been invested, that, that investment has been running since 2000 and, uh, 2011. So they're one of our earliest clients, these people. Um, so I've looked at the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. We've, looked at the, we've looked at the bucket of shares that they've owned for the longest. Yep. And that have grown by the they most. Grown they have by the, the most. Highest they have the gain. highest capital gain. So they can actually redeem $40,000 worth of shares yep. uh, at the projected share position or the share growth position of uh, December 2025. And from that, from that $40,000 of money that's hit their bank account from selling mm-hmm. you know, $40,000 worth of shares, basically it's come down to $7,000 of taxable capital gain. Yeah. Um, and that's the and worst so, case scenario for them. So, that, so, so this is, and I think we, um, again, we won't get in the weeds too much here, but basically when you sell down, you sell an asset, you get $40,000. The capital gain is based on the $40,000 <laughs> sale proceeds minus the, the amount that you purchased those shares for. Um, you get a 50% discount on that for owning the asset for more than 12 months. So, the, the the actual gain gets discounted at fifteen at fifty percent. So the fifty percent of that gain gets added to your taxable income, and that's I think this is again a bit of a confusing one for people because we talk about capital gains tax as though it's a separate tax, but what just happens is that calculation gets done, and then the 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 discounted gain gets added to your taxable income. So it's a simple calculation to go right. This is the this is the taxable income they've got from their dividends and their franking credits. Plus the plus the the taxable income from the capital gain, and and that's their total taxable income for the year. Yep, hundred percent. So so basically, if we add on the seven thousand dollars of capital gain, that gets split mm-hmm. each uh, half to each of yep. them. So it's an extra three and a half thousand dollars each. Yep. It takes their total assessable income up to twenty five thousand dollars each. So yep. so basically, running through those numbers again, they got thirty thousand dollars of dividend. Yep. That's split um, two ways, yep. half each. $15,000 of income uh, each. Uh, they've then they've uh, then have $6,500 yeah. of franking credits each, yep. $13,000 combined. Now that's added on. Yep. They have they then have that $7,000 capital gain from yep. the $40,000 redemption, which yep. is then split so, two ways yeah, as well. Split, so yeah. three and a half each. Takes takes each of their taxable incomes to $25,000. Yep. Um, now, 
the tax that you pay on twenty five thousand dollars, it's under a thousand dollars. Like I, I can't yeah. remember the exact yeah, this, figure. This is the point you touched on. You, you get all these low low income tax offsets. Yeah, and, yeah. So the first eighteen thousand two hundred is tax free. Yeah, and then um, you get low income tax offsets. Yeah. Uh, so pu- pushing up out of that. So um, so basically. The tax that they that they owe was was under a thousand dollars. Sorry, the tax that they owed Should was under a thousand dollars each. Yep. Here's where the power of that franking credit comes in. So they then get the franking credit, Back. which is six and a half thousand dollars each, as a full um, tax rebate. So just to just to be clear, there, yep. if you owe thousand yep. dollars in tax um, and you get a franking credit added. To you, uh, you get a franking credit rebate yep. then yep. applied of six and a half thousand dollars. You get a five thousand five hundred dollar tax refund yep. from the ATO. It's such a powerful thing. And so that, um, and that's, and that's again, the ATO basically is calculating that, saying we have we have taxed you at six and a half thousand dollars. The ATO has has yep. received six and a half thousand dollars on your behalf. They do this calculation, say you should have only paid a thousand dollars. You did pay six and a half, therefore you get a refund of five and a half each. These these clients, um, their actual their actual refund adds up to ten thousand eight hundred dollars combined. So yeah. they get so they get yeah. um, what's it five thousand four hundred dollars of of yeah. of yeah. Uh, of of tax return each. Yep. So um, franking credits is significantly powerful, yeah. a very very powerful thing. So we we've worked out their tax. The tax position is. Um, no tax payable. Yeah. Uh, they owed a, they they the initial yeah. calculation was they owed a little bit of tax on their twenty five thousand dollars under a thousand dollars. Yep. The franking credits get added back. Yep. Then yep. as a full rebate. Yep. And it basically wipes out their tax and then pays them, them a surplus amount. So, so they get ten thousand eight hundred of combined tax return, five thousand four hundred each. So if we run through the numbers again. Yep. Um, it takes their income to over eighty thousand dollars in the hand. Thirty thousand dollars from a div- dividend. Yep. Forty thousand dollars of redemption. Forty thousand dollars of redemption. And after applying the and after running the ruler over the tax scenario, um, they get you know ten thousand eight, a bit over ten thousand in tax return. So it takes their income and, up to a bit over eighty thousand dollars, and eight hundred. That's a really good example of you know we talked about <laughs> the the after tax income, the, the amount that you get to keep and that you get to spend is the real metric here because. Mm. Um, so, for example, some, if if there's a couple where only one member is working, and that and that person is earning one hundred and ten thousand dollars of gross income, so someone who's earning one hundred and ten thousand dollars worth of worth of gross income from their wages pays about thirty thousand dollars in income tax. Yeah. So these guys basically get to they get to keep eighty thousand dollars in of net income mm. from from this investment without really chewing into it too much. Not only do they not pay the thirty thousand dollars in tax, they actually get a ten thousand dollars refund. They're in the same position as it, as uh, as a couple would be with with one member only working who's earning one hundred and ten thousand dollars salary. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's kind of where you're saying it's very important to flow through the tax implications of this is is to make sure you understand <clears throat> the impact of of the dividends that you receive or that taxable income from mm. any dividends or distributions, and the taxing impact of any capital gains if you are selling down assets to fund that. To fund your your lifestyle, you need to take into account the, the tax effect of that. But yeah, you do, and it's and a really handy one. It's a it's a really handy one. The other thing that they have up their sleeve is that if if either of them gets a job, that pushes their taxable income up, but yep. they're within their rights to put in twenty seven and a half thousand dollars each super, into yeah. superannuation. So, yep. Yep. for example, um, like I said before, 
people get talked into doing something. Yeah. So, um, it goes a little bit like this. Can you come and help me set yeah. this project up? Should it's going to last a for a, days, a yeah. couple of days. <laughs> that couple of days turns into a couple yeah. of weeks, yeah. which turns into a couple of months, which yeah. turns into the year. Yeah. So, what happens is that, yeah, let's say one of them yeah. earns $100,000 yeah. for that particular year. Then they're within their rights to put in $27,500 into yeah. superannuation, including what their employer would put in. Yeah. Uh, and claim that as a tax deduction yep. as well. So, they'd pay a little bit more tax and they'd earn a lot more income, of course. So, yep. you've still got that up your sleeve. Yes. And if that doesn't come about, uh, actually, no, they would, they would, they're would. they well over the, the limit. Yep. I was just having another yeah, thought yeah, there. Carry forward. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, uh, to look at their overall position, yep. so we said before that, that they're in, they, they actually didn't quite tread water with their investments. Their investments... Went backwards. Went a little backwards bit. Yep. for that particular year. So yep. their investments fell from seven hundred and seventy thousand to seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Yeah. However, the you know the nearly one point four million dollars that they had in superannuation without any contributions going in, mm. if that was to able to Grow achieve that eight percent rate of return, yep. that's moved ahead by over a hundred and ten thousand dollars. Yep. So their net position, if yep. you have a look at it. Yep. Um, uh, superannuation has grown by over one hundred and ten thousand dollars. Investments have fallen by ten thousand dollars. Yeah, um, yeah that, 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 let's let's just call that a nice, neat hundred thousand dollars. So their their net worths increased by a hundred thousand dollars, and they've been able to live off a, a off an eighty thousand dollar after tax income in yeah. this in this scenario. And and so I think um, I guess the the bigger picture here is. You're, you're probably, and this is I'm sure what you've done with the planning of this, you've probably erred on the side of having slightly more in the investments than what they really necessarily need. Because yes. you don't, if, if, you have a, if you have those five years of, of very lean returns where you don't get that 8% for that first five years of their retirement, you want to make sure that they've got more than enough in the investment so that they don't get to 58, 59 and, and have chewed through the investment too much and run out before they can get access to super. But the, the balancing act there is that um, as we've seen from the tax effect of the dividends flowing through and the capital gains on that, if if you could time it perfectly right so that you you basically spend all of the money in your investment, you know, mm. on the day you turn sixty, that would be ideal because mm. then you, you've you've got as much money as possible working for you in that most tax effective vehicle, which is your superannuation. Um, you've got the minimal amount of taxable income flowing through from your investment, so <coughs> it's really a balancing act there of going. We want enough in the investment to fund those early years of retirement until mm. we get to age 60. We want to make sure we've got a healthy buffer there that we're not worrying about or yep. stressing about what the sequence of returns is in those early years. But we don't want too much in the investment. So in this case, if they had $2.2 million of retirement savings and they had, you know, in the extreme case, if they had, you know, $2.2 million all invested in their own name, it'd be a complete mm. waste because they basically spend the dividends um, – Spend a portion of the of the dividends. Effectively, mm. they they would pay not a, they wouldn't get a tax refund. In fact, they'd they'd pay probably a little bit of tax on that, yep. uh, rather than getting to use the the you know the, the tax savings available from through super. They would actually mm. be paying more in tax. So that's that balancing act that that you that you're trying to get right there is to go right. If you've got to fifty five and you've got two point two mil, how much of it do we want in the investment phase and how much of it do we want in superannuation to get that right? Make sure mm. we can get through the five years but also have the bulk of it in that in that right environment where you're not paying as much tax. 
Absolutely, and it gives you plenty of time to plan as well because mm. you know, by the time that each of these members of the couple get to age 60, mm. uh, the current legislation is they've still got another seven years that they can actually put money into superannuation. Yes. So, so um, uh, without meeting the work test. Yeah. So, you know, if they, if they met the work test after that, yeah. then they could, they'd, they'd have mm. even more than that. Yeah. But with it, assuming they never work another day in their life, which mm. is again highly unlikely, mm. um, you get to sixty and you go, okay, well, I end up with this money, the investment. Yeah, you, you, yeah. That, I've, that's, got, I've got, I've still got seven hundred thousand dollars in the investment. Yeah, I want to push some. Okay, that I want to push that some into super because I've got access to my super now, and I can, I can basically move my super into a zero percent tax super income stream. Mm. Um, oh, hang on a sec, I'm going to pay. A lot of capital gains tax if I sell the whole seven hundred thousand dollar bundle yep. you know, in one fell swoop. But I might okay. I can trickle it in. Yes, you know, yeah. I can. We can sell two hundred thousand dollars this year and, and put that money in. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, you'd, you'd tap into the bring forward. The, uh, yep. Sorry, you'd tap into the to the bring forward of the non concessional yep. contributions. Then, yeah. Um, uh, let me back up. You've got a hundred. Yeah. Each person's got a hundred and ten thousand dollars of a non-concessional contribution they can yeah. they can put in each year. Yeah. Uh, you can you can bring forward two future years, so you can put in up to three hundred and thirty thousand dollars in one particular yeah. year. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, basically, if you, if you if you got if, to that if point, it panned out, yeah, you yeah. could you could actually the the yeah the mail's going to hit sixty first, hit sixty. Yeah. Um, okay, you've got seven hundred thousand dollars in investments. Well, we could actually sell three hundred and thirty thousand dollars of of those investments. And get it into the tax. put that money in as a non concessional contribution into his super yep. fund, and then yep. he's done for that yep. three years before yep. he can go and he again. Gets that into his zero percent um, super income stream, zero percent taxed income stream. Yep. If that crystallizes a bit more capital gains tax than you liked, it's always a prerogative to actually make sell it. a little bit more yeah. and make a concessional contribution yeah. and claim that as a tax deduction. So and, and I think so the, the the overarching point you're making, I guess, there, Michael, is that if if you you know, it's the old saying, better to be looking at it than looking for it. So you'd rather get mm. to sixty and go, Oh, we've actually got a bit left in this investment that we don't really need. We then have the choice to if we if we want to or we need to make sense from a tax point of view, we can sell that down and push that into superannuation. But you're better off having a bit more in the investment than what you really need. Yeah. Rather than get to fifty nine and run out of money in the investment and go, Well, geez, what do we do for the next year until we can yeah. get access to super? Yeah, so that's right. I think there's there's sort of the, the two parts that are there is still some planning. You, you err on the side of having a bit more in the investment than, mm. than probably what you need just to make sure that you do get through uh, and that there's some planning work that you can do from sort of 60 onwards to to minimise your tax rate at your retirement. Yeah. I get the the point there though is that you really only want to be doing a bit of a tidy up job at that point. You don't, mm. as you said, you don't want to get to 60 and go, well, I've got $2.2 million in the investment and nothing in super. I really want all of this money in, in, in super now. How do I get it in? I can't get that whole lot in. Yeah. So it's basically you do the planning like any like anything. You'd sort of do the rough plan of these are the range of possible outcomes when I get to 60. Err on the side of, of caution there and having more in the investment than what you need. Then get to 60, reassess, and, and you can juggle that around if, if and yeah. when you need to at that point in time. Yep, yep. Um so that was interesting. Thanks yeah. for your, thanks for That's thanks great. for pointing that out, Glenn. Yeah. Because um, yeah. yeah, it was remiss of us to to actually go into that level of detail. Yeah. And and um, you know, this was a enjoyable one to do actually. So yeah. to, to it's, it's great when you when you get a listener question and it lines up with something that you've just looked at for a client. And you go, yeah. oh, I've got exactly the numbers here. I can just go and pull them out of the out of the spreadsheet and yeah. away you go. So 
yeah, any if anyone else has any other questions or case studies or thoughts or queries or whatever, uh, these listener questions are. It's, it's good for us to get the feedback as to what what are the actual things that that listeners want to know more about or situations that they are in or facing and 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 um, because obviously. If you're listening to this and you're in this situation, there's probably someone else out there who's in the same boat. So it's great mm. for us to get that get that feedback yep. and get those ideas. So if you have any any other listener questions or any feedback or anything like that, uh, if you can send us an email at podcast at mo50.com.au. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.